Hello and welcome to The Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Medden, and to discuss urban exploration, I'm joined today by... Um, I'm Joey Ressler. I'm the photo editor. I'm Rosie Agazarian. I'm the editor-in-chief. Hey, I'm Grace Blondell. I was the writer for this piece. Uh, to get started, Grace, can you talk a little bit about what the article covers, please? Yeah, sure. So for this article, um, I try to get in contact with a couple different professors in the anthropology and sociology departments. And I eventually met with Professor Howard, who is part of the Science, Technology, and Society um, program in COLA, uh, the College of Liberal Arts. And this was like a really difficult topic for me because it's something that I like am personally interested in. Uh, so it's hard to be objective. But going into the interview, it was a lot uh, different than what I thought it was going to be because I, I don't think Professor Howard has like personal experience with urban exploration. So she mostly talked about um, like city planning and city development and like the cycle of cities as like new buildings come and go and like are abandoned and things like that uh, versus like what happens when you explore them. Like, based on what she was telling me about, like, the history of Rochester um, and, like, new infrastructure being built and then, uh, like, the old ones being abandoned, um, I really focused on um, how urban explorers that go into these places are actually documenting history because a lot of popular places in Rochester that these people like to explore, they're eventually uh, demolished or torn down. Okay, I'm curious because you said this is a personal topic for you. So do, are you an urban explorer? Uh, like an amateur. Okay. What's an amateur urban explorer mean? You, you've like gone through the abandoned subway once or twice? or? Yeah, like several times. Um, <laughs> that was, I guess, how I first got really interested in it. Um, during high school, I went with my brother. And we started at like, the end that is still there now, not the one that just got demolished. Um, and we didn't even make it all the way through because it was dark and we were scared. But, like, ever since then, uh, things like that have interested me. Very cool. I've I've tried to do the abandoned subway. I also quit halfway through because it's, <laughs> it's very scary. It gets scary, yeah. Yeah, totally. It's creepy. <laughs> um, so you, you said that urban explorers are, in a way, recording history. Um, how How is that manifested? Through photography or...? Yeah, so photography is the big one. Um, people, like, whose photos I've seen, like, I don't know, like would they prefer to be called, like, a photographer or an urban explorer? Like, I'm not sure which comes first because they both seem to go hand-in-hand hand for a lot of them. But you also have um, a lot of people who, like, are writers, and they, like, write really detailed accounts about, like, their adventures inside these old places that are, like, really fascinating to read. Okay, so so how formal of a, I don't want to say job, but I guess position is urban explorer? I mean... Obviously, people aren't, aren't necessarily paid to be urban explorers, but it sounds like maybe there's a community of people who identify as urban explorers. Uh, yeah, I think definitely so, because you, because it's not, I mean, most of the time it's not legal, and a lot of people just, like, frown upon trespassing and a lot of the vandalism that occurs um, to these, like, old buildings. So I think that the people that are interested in it, like, really stick together because, they don't want to, like, not all of them are, like, bad and, like, vandals and, like, like breaking into places, well, which they are, but, like, 
I, that's not how they see it, so that's not how they want to be seen. So if they can, like, find people with similar mindsets, it's just easier to, I guess, like, justify, like, what they believe doing is good is actually good. Definitely. Actually, so I wrote a piece that kind of that sort of predates this one a little bit. Um, it was uh, art on campus from bathroom stalls to campus quads. And we talked about something that relates to this and how you kind of like record history by being um, an urban explorer. And sort of like relating it back to campus, one of the folks that I interviewed, Becky Simmons, who works at archives in the library, she actually showed me some photographs from the 1920s of campus where someone had graffitied something about a professor. But it was this is like a relic from the 20s of campus. And you can look at it and see these old cars. And you can see just, you know, there are students. And, and you're just like, well, I'm, I'm on this campus right now. I walk along those bricks today. And it's so different. But it says something about the people who were living there. And it sort of it does record history in that way and opinions and folks in that way. Um, that makes me wonder because uh, I understand that urban explorers are not typically interested in being associated with vandalism or graffiti, um, but your article does mention that they are. Um, do you think most urban explorers kind of try to take a leave-nothing-behind approach, or are the many of those people going and, and leaving graffiti? Uh, so, I mean, I think it depends. Like, the people who are really serious about doing it for, like, the historical, like, perspective, they definitely aren't the ones who, like, take things out of the building or, like, leave things behind. Um, but I think, like, a lot of times it's, like, kids and teenagers who are the ones that, like, tend to do things that other people frown on, which gives urban exploring, like, a bad name. Right, and there's something different about when you do graffiti on something that's a permanent structure or a permanent building as opposed to doing sort of ephemeral street art in a sense where it's on maybe a, a post, a wooden post. And that's not something that was permanent. That wasn't something that's necessarily designed to be where it is. Um, but it's but the, the artwork can still go there and exist there. It's actually interesting, too, because there are some universities that even provide spaces for students who want to do street art and who want to do graffiti. And it's, um, for instance, actually like Sydney University, they have a tunnel that they sort of maintain and it's a place for students to just keep going and applying street art to the walls, kind of like the subways that we have yeah. here. You know, you've constantly got new art going up. Every time you go, it's something different. But the school sort of harbors that and nurtures that sort of artistic outlet, which is really fascinating. Um, when I uh, explored the abandoned subway, I thought um, the whole thing is kind of cool, but my favorite part was the art on the walls. Yeah, I think definitely. that's what is the most attractive part of, of going down there. Um, so a little bit off topic, but I'm curious of your guys' opinions. Do you guys feel like street art like that, while technically illegal, is accepted sort of art, or is it really just vandalism? Um, I mean, personally, I love it. Um but I like there's definitely a line that's like drawn. I I like art that like it, I like regardless of whether it's graffiti or not. Like I want it to be like nice to look at, and like especially when it comes to like exploring when you like go into a building. A lot of times, like I said, it's like kids, and it's just like really awful, like vulgar stuff, and like that's like that's really defacing a building that's already like pretty deep in decay. So it just it really makes the whole experience depressing. But then you do have places like the subway that, like, regardless of, like, how dark and creepy it is, like, it really just feels, like, alive. And it's so amazing because of the incredible art that um, people have done there. 
I'm definitely also inclined to agree that it is, I want to say that it's art, but there are definitely instances where it is just tagging. And, you know, there's a lot of, like, it says a lot about the artist or the person who who put that piece up. And I remember reading an article a while back, and if I'm if I'm recalling it correctly, it was talking about the distinction as to, like, they're trying to figure out who is Banksy. And one of the reasons they were tr- they were arguing that Banksy is a woman is because of the type of art that was being put up that wasn't sort of to mark territory, essentially, which they were associating with more male artists yeah. and things like that. So I think that's, it's fascinating because, you know, there is tagging and there is, which isn't necessarily just male, that's not what I'm saying, but there's, there's a form of art where it's, you know, you're just, it's expression or it's you're trying to label something as this is your territory and this is your, um, this is your piece. Or you want to cover and deface someone else's art just so yours can be there, which is something different, which you don't see and do in galleries. So that's something nice if you have like a curated space or if you have something like the wall therapy project, yeah. which is using the, the better component of it, the artistic component of it to sort of liven up a space that is otherwise in decay and giving it a new face and giving it new light and new life in that way. Well, I disagree. Um, I think if it is vulgar or if it's just tagging, I think it is still art and in an, it's an expression. Like, um, I'd rather it happen there than somewhere more public. Like, on an abandoned building is really the best place for that to happen. Um, and like you said, like, the stuff in the 20s at RIT, like, is kind of like a document of, like, people's experiences and, like, what life was like. So I think... Um, even if it is just vulgar tagging, like it is important, and I would call it art. Uh, so I'm curious, as an urban explorer, um, do you feel like the art that's in these buildings is part of it? That's sort of part of what you're going to see? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so so my, my next question after that is, um, in the article you talk a little bit about preservation of these old buildings. Um, and, and one of the main ways these old buildings are preserved is by refurbishing them or retrofitting them for new purposes. So do you feel like when that's done, the building is preserved to the extent it should be? Or in a way, it's kind of losing um, some of the history that it has? I mean, when you have these old buildings, like they can't last forever if um, like if like upgrades aren't made to them. So it can't stay like true to its original like form I think I do think that it's important that like old buildings are like preserved to like the best of like the contractor and architect's ability um, because like the history of a place is important and like the architecture is an important way to show history actually it's like this reminds me of something that I learned in or I was being lectured about in class a few days ago. Um, I'm in a class called History of Industrial Design, and the professor is talking about Eileen Gray and one of the houses that she she designed, and how some another artist I'm blanking on his name, but he was absolutely infatuated by her. And at some point, he's able to sort of. Um, graffiti the walls with absolutely vulgar images and when they go to when when you know years later they go to um refurbish this building and 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 clean it up they keep the art and they keep the 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 art on the walls so i guess it's kind of like the same question that we're asking here is it staying true to the architecture and the design of the place as it as it was originally intended by her or to what happened to it afterwards and the history that it sort of developed uh, I think that's an excellent question. And in a broader sense, uh, I wonder if we should feel the same way about cities as a whole. 
Um, Professor Howard in the article said that it's a tragedy that some of these old buildings are being torn down. Um, but you also mentioned in the article that it's important that cities progress and change. Um, so kind of leaning on what you were saying, the way cities change are, are kind of representations of the people. Um, so I'm curious for all of you how you feel about uh, maintaining older buildings as well as building new bu buildings in their places. Do, do you guys think that we have a responsibility to maintain as much of the old architecture as we can, or is, or is it important to progress? Um, I mean, specifically for the subway, I, like, I feel pretty attached to it. Um, and so last year when they were knocking down the kind of the entrance uh, at Broad Street, I was pretty upset about that. Um, because they're going to put up, I think it's like condos or something uh, right along the waterfront. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like development is good and Rochester definitely needs to like liven up its downtown again. But also I think like the subway, that is such a unique piece of history and art and culture. And it's something that like, like an abandoned subway, like there, I I know, I think Toronto has one, but I, I don't really know um, if there, like, are any other tunnels like that in the world that have, like, the same kind of art. So it's just, like, an experience in a place that is not there anymore. So that was upsetting for me. I, I definitely think it's a give and take, right? Because you do have such interesting, such curious talent in the area that wouldn't be able to necessarily express themselves if it wasn't a, an abandoned building, if it wasn't sort of a place that they could sort of express themselves in a reclusive, in a reclusive way, right? So would it, would it be the same if we did provide, say, like what, what they did at the Sydney University when they were, when they were providing like an actual uh, a, a sort of tunnel um, where people could go and make street art? Would it be the same if we had that along with new buildings coming up? Or is it sort of make maybe having programs that, that better utilize the, these talent, uh, this talent and, and actually have them fall into place with wall therapy projects? So when we do have condos and things that maybe aren't the most attractive things to have coming up um, in, in terms of architecture, in terms of what's populating the city, but maybe it's a matter of having that to sort of fulfill the utilitarian needs that we have, but also having opportunities or turning those into opportunities for artistic expression to also add that layer of, of life and add that layer of color to to the, the city as it progresses, as it grows. All right, I appreciate that. I like the idea of, of trying to find a, a balance between uh, preserving the older structures and, and building new ones that are necessary. Um, so I want to thank you guys all for joining us today. Uh, and that's going to be it for this episode of The Reporter Podcast. Um, be sure to read The Reporter in stands and online at reporter.rit.edu. Uh, follow us on social media at ReporterMag on Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram. Uh, and call rings. It's kind of like Yik Yak back when Yik Yak was still a thing. Uh, at 585-672-4840.